do my best for these kids. These kids deserve to come out a winner. The seniors deserve to win. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. Now all of a sudden I'm sitting in this chair, and I told him, you know what? I'm still crawling my hands and knees to work here. I, I just want to be here. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. You can't blame a loss to Wake on lack of resources. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. Believe me, the last thing I want to do is, is ever talk about J.C. Price. I don't want to talk about these great student athletes we have and about trying to get them to win. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I keep pinching myself. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out What's the percent on that? 11. Fighting for social justice by drinking. I, I appreciate that. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? Our story's not written. You know, our book's not finished. You know, what's it going to say? And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthold, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we're heading... To the Pinstripe Bowl, NYC. How do you feel about that? I think you feel better better about it because you get to go. I mean, that's <laughs> I up, am, that's that's up right. to your side of the woods. So uh, I think you're you're pumped about it, right? Yeah, man. We're gonna head up Tuesday night, stay two nights in Manhattan, um, Uber, or take the train to the game or whatever. But hopefully, see a show and do some other fun things. Uh, <laughs> as long as COVID doesn't ruin all the plans, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I'm I'm excited about New York. I think compared to some of the other destinations we could have gotten, it was a nice change of pace. So why don't I, you give us a cheers? Kick I, us off. I will, but I, I also have to ask some of our listeners to send you, are, if you're actually going to go to a show, everybody's got to send you their suggestions. If you're going to actually do <laughs> a show. Uh, I saw a Cabaret uh, with my wife there, and it was awesome. Uh, so you can... I haven't seen a lot of shows up there, but I, how about people send in their suggestions to Pete on what he should see in Manhattan? I think that <laughs> yeah, would be awesome. Yeah, you can awesome. tweet at us, uh, Broadway shows, whatever. Now, the <laughs> the kicker is, you. you I, I would love to hear the suggestions. What's available is a whole different yes, ballgame, and yes. what's available <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. non-price prohibitive is yes. another, another that's, thing, because some all. of them are, are up there. We were looking at one. I'll hold it off just to see what yeah. people have to say, but yeah. we have one that we're looking at right now. All right. But, I, but I, uh, I'll give the cheers. So, yeah, do it. Um, I guess it's it's signing day. We're recording today, so and it is on the early signing day, and I gotta welcome all the new Hokies into Hokie Nation. Uh, whether you know, I, I don't want to get into whether people stick and all that kind of stuff. I just want to say that anybody that has signed with uh, Virginia Tech and the Hokies and the football program, we welcome you with open arms, and we are so excited to have you guys uh, a part of the program. And I don't know, it's it's an exciting day, I think, for those guys to like really look at what's happening in their future and what's happening in the program. So I'm I'm, I'm really pumped for it, and. Um, I know these days are always kind of like for fans, it's always like kind of this mixed bag, but this is a big day for a lot of people. So I'm really excited about it. So I'll just say cheers to them. Cheers. Yeah. And you can poo poo it if you want uh, the general you, but 
it's a fun day if you just like college football in general, just to see where people end up, the drama of it. It's entertainment, if nothing else. I know these these kids' uh, next four years and potentially longer down the line are at stake, but uh, but it's fun. You know, as a form of entertainment, it's very fun to see what all is going to go down. We got a lot of weird things that happened today, some flips, and the craziest thing maybe ever to happen in recruiting is the number one overall recruit committed to Deion Sanders and Jackson State, an FCS school. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a lot of thoughts for that. Uh, I, 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 I sent out a lot of texts to you about that. But uh, yeah, that is, that's crazy. It, it, it's insane. I think it is a sign of how weird things are going to continue to get in terms of signing day, the early signing period, whether he sticks there, all, all those sorts of things. Um, but it is... No less Deion Sanders signing the number one recruit in the nation. It's wild. And he got over a million dollars from Barstool and Penn Gaming to do it. Of course, some of that was maybe debunked later. I, who knows? But the kid's going to make a lot of money. Yes, he'll do fine. I mean, yes, yes. And uh, anyway. Ohio State knows how it can go with uh, somebody going to a program, making a lot of money, and then going somewhere like Texas. Yep, yep. Um, all right, let's do the committee rankings before we do hoops. We're going to do the bowl game opt-outs, the bowl game preview, and of course, we're going to get to signing day, but we're going to back up a couple weeks because we didn't give you a podcast last week, a much-deserved week off for us, um, but we got the committee rankings. Top four is in. It's official. It's Bama, Michigan, UGA, and Cincinnati. We got the huge surprise with Bama beating Georgia. Everyone going into that game, I think, at least I thought Georgia would win. I thought Georgia would win and cover. And maybe that was stupid to think um, that that Saban's not going to come up on the winning end of like plus six and a half. But he did, and boy, did he ever. They kicked ass. Yeah, they destroyed Georgia, which is – it was – it was crazy. I mean, I, in most years, you always are like, yeah, Saban's going to destroy the team when he has to. But this Georgia defense is so, if you listen to any podcast and stuff like that, it is really good. And to watch what happened and what all, like Alabama did to them was really remarkable. It was. And I thought Georgia would cover because of the way Alabama's offensive line had played most of the season. They had trouble blocking much lesser fronts, and including maybe, Auburn's, which yeah, is uh, yeah, exactly. Just a week before Auburn was giving them hell, and maybe like Georgia was reading their press clippings too much. I don't know, but they were not prepared to play. And Alabama made a few adjustments, and Bryce Young had all day to throw and was just dominating, and he won the Heisman. <laughs> not yes. just because of that night, but it didn't hurt. That's for sure. He was a shoo-in after that. Um, so, yeah, Bama's number one. Same old, same shit, different year, right? Yep. Um, and then Michigan, you know, beating Ohio State and then winning the Big Ten in crushing fashion over Iowa. They, they get the number two slot. That UGA-Michigan game should be fun. I am surprised to see Georgia uh, basically a touchdown favorite in that one. Yeah, that will be... I, I don't know. I mean, you have a nice front uh, from like a defensive front from Michigan. It's causing some havoc. I, I don't know. 
both teams I don't think have elite quarterback play, like uh, no. elite, like, and so I think that could be a really interesting matchup. I think both have really good defenses. Overall, I think that should be a fun game. Like if I was going to just like off the cuff make a guess about it, I would see Kirby Smart getting like a big rebound kind of game. You know what I mean? Like with the talent that he has at Georgia, which is on that defensive side is almost unprecedented. But I think it's going to be an awesome matchup. And I don't physical. Yes. Yeah. I don't root for for Michigan whatsoever but i'm i'm kind of excited to see this matchup yeah i just it's nice to see someone step up to the sec and i'm kind of hoping michigan makes it a game or pulls off the win just for that sake Uh, yeah i can't root for michigan either growing up a penn state fan i've always hated michigan but it's just a different team in there so i want to see the game be good i'm thinking like 24 17 maybe 21 17 but we'll see and i i I don't even know who I'm picking. I just think that'll be around where the score is. And I, then in the fourth spot, sorry, go ahead. No, I just want to throw out there. It, w- it was interesting. Some of the podcasts are talking about the most, one of the most explosive offenses in the country. You know who it is? Michigan. Really? Most people don't know that. They they are like number, they're tied for like number two in more than 70 yard plays. They're number one in 60 yard plays. They're number one in 50 yard plays. So like, that when I heard those stats, um, we we look at Michigan and we look at this matchup, but um, they actually have a very explosive offense. Which I, if you before I heard that, I like you know listening to podcasts and stuff. So I just throw that out there. It was um, it was really insightful to to hear that. So I, I you know one of the reasons I liked UGA, and this is the dangerous thing about looking at offenses on paper, is that they were like number two in SP plus offense going into that championship game and they did not look like the number two offense in the country in that game they get a lot of benefit on their offense from having a great defense and setting them up in really good spots um so that was a little misleading but that that's just a side note in the four spot we have cincinnati they're going to take on bama and because of their strength in the back end with the dbs and their potentially first round second round corners it's an interesting matchup with bama i'm not i don't think they're going to win I think Bama will probably win by 10 points, but they showed that they could hang with Georgia last year in the bowl game. Um, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how Cincinnati does. That's right. But I'm happy they got in. Yeah. It is um, – it's good. I, I come back to this. You and I talked about it earlier today. It's good for college football that they're in. It's It, it makes it fun. It gives a lot of people a reason. Uh, if somebody else slipped in there – I don't know that people would care that much. So I, I think it's a good it's a good it's a good thing that happened. Yeah. As for the ACC, we had Pitt winning the ACC against Wake. Um and they they really made easy work of Wake. It was a nice solid victory. We had Kenny Pickett doing the fake slide and running <laughs> down the field at which they the just they banned it. Yeah, they changed got the Kenny Pickett rule now. Wake finished the year at number 17 in the committee. NC State, 18, Clemson, 19. So that was 12, 17, 18, and 19 for the ACC. Just one Coastal team, but the Coastal did win the ACC title. So that is something. I'm not going to try to ride Pitt's coattails, but it's interesting that the Coastal finally won a title. Well, it's hilarious. I mean, in the way that it played out, too. It just, yeah. it's, it, and with how well Wake was playing, and then all of a sudden, you know, Pitt. 
<sighs> oh, Pitt. Uh, what, what are we going to do with you? I just, I have to think that this was kind of a lightning in the bottle year for Pitt. And they had Pickett in year six. And the offensive coordinator is leaving now, right? He's going to Nebraska. Yep. Whipple. He's out. And they just had, you know, the Bolitnikoff wide receiver. They had Pickett in year six. A good offensive line or good enough. And it was a perfect storm. I think Pitt could just plummet next year but who knows narduzzi they his the fans in pittsburgh don't even really like narduzzi that much and he just got them an acc title so they're they're stuck with him for a while now and we'll see if he can build off of this but pitt's recruiting class didn't have a great day today i'll say that much yeah Yeah, and i I had a conversation with somebody (laughs) i think there's um Listen, I, I was born in Boston, so like I and I'm not a Patriots fan, but like there's something about the north, uh, the Northeast that like you don't like anything. Like I, I'm pretty sure that people didn't even like Tom Brady until like year like after his third like Super Bowl. Like if you like run through it, I, I was talking to somebody today and it was like they they hate franklin at pitt i was talking to a guy today and he was like hey yeah you got our coach and it was like yeah i hate james franklin and it's like i think there's something in the water up in the uh, northeast i think it's just how we're born and raised uh just to, like, like everyone's hate. hypercritical i mean yes yeah. being a philly fan and growing up in that area it, there there's a lot of they call it negadelphia for a reason <laughs> like there's just so much negativity uh around sports in general there's just it's very critical but on the flip side you have people who are absolutely beloved yeah. and so it, but it's a fine line and like yeah. you 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 have to cross that beloved line <laughs> and if not you are subject to what have you done for me lately criticism <laughs> yep that's right <laughs> all right moving on to virginia tech basketball it's been a little bit of a a rough go lately we we saw in the tournament right around Thanksgiving, the team struggle against some better teams. And we beat Maryland right after our last podcast. And it wasn't a pretty win, but it was a good defensive effort. And we beat them in their house, 62 to 58. And it's like, all right, we, we kind of exercised some of the demons of the Thanksgiving tournament. And now we're back on track. Well, right after that, we come home, wake shoots the absolute lights out, scores 80 points on us in castle and beats us. We follow that up by whipping Cornell with the same treatment, scored 93 points on them, won by 33. So it's like, again, it's like, all right, that's what we should do. You should whip Cornell's butt, and we did, and we covered and all that good stuff. Dayton game. This is a pivotal game in the season. We're on the road, but they're not really a great team. And again, it was like the Maryland game, the Xavier game. We don't play well. We're trying to claw back in it the whole time, and this time we come up short, 62-57. to 57. And after that most recent game, and with St. Bonaventure coming up, this team and the chemistry, it's just missing something right now. I, it, You could say we're not shooting well. You could say we're not doing, you know, turning the ball over too much, foul trouble, this or that. But the general chemistry... Is just something is off right now. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's probably the best way to explain it. Is it, I think I don't know. I don't want to equate it to like years past, but like it's easier to equate it to our team. Like if you remember 
during the early seasons, if we even go back to like Buzz Williams, like we had those like losses where it was just like the gut check losses where it was like, it's not really coming together, but there is something missing in the team. And whether that is you and I were talking about today, whether it's storm and what he's bringing at the point, whether it's missing Radford because of the transfer, which the, you know, the teams had to deal with uh, it's, there, there's something missing um, from right. a cohesive unit. Could it be standpoint? like Beatty's leadership, his defensive prowess? Like maybe. we, we always had, Beatty always had issues, but maybe the intangibles that he brought to the table were good for the locker room, were good for the team, and losing him and Radford in one off season, and Cone yeah. was a big blow, and so you add that those things in to Aluma not improving to Storm being a pretty big disappointment to this point in the season. I mean, he has a chance to turn it around, but he's averaging 10 less points a game than he did at Wofford. And we haven't exactly faced a murderer's row schedule. It's not, we're not even in real ACC play yet. So that's been, that's been rough. Couture, a little up and down. Aline, the last few games has hit a major skid. He's fallen off since the savior game, shooting just 25.6% over the last four games, one for 10 against Dayton for Aline. And he has been inconsistent most of his career. And you're, you keep like waiting, like he's older now, he's going to come out of it. But the long and short of it is we got an eight man rotation. Three of the guys are in year one or two Padula being a true freshman. That is, it's not good enough. And Radford going out the door hurts us, but you know what else hurts us? Ojiako not developing or turning into a player that can play meaningful minutes. Lynn Kidd, the four-star from Clemson coming in, he's not contributing anything. This we're we have five really good starters who are veterans, and that's at least that's what we thought. And if those guys aren't killers with this limited bench, as we are now seeing, then this team's not going to be good. And they are not killers. Storm. He's even hesitant to shoot like that. Those couple of games where he got zero points, I think really hurt his confidence. He's only shooting the ball like four or five times a game now. Yeah, it's he um, he's also a different mix up from what we've seen from like the normal point at 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 Virginia Tech. I mean, if you go back to Robert, say, I mean, we've normally had people that are confident either dishing or dishing to people that are underneath or, or, or whatever, spreading the ball around, but also being willing to like drive aggressively. And mm-hmm. every single, if you remember back to like when we, like when we were kind of a grindy team, and I know this isn't that long ago, but like we would always get on the line. Like it was like, we were going to drive to the paint and one of two things were happening. Like we would either, and now it's more stuffs than it is like driving and getting the foul. And so we're not getting out of the teams in foul trouble the way that I think that I recall the way that we were um, in those instances. But it, it, so it looks a little different and then it's not to say that it can't work, but then you have to adapt to it. If we're going to do that style, then you have to be more dangerous from the outside. Like if you're not going to be dangerous to say, Hey, like either cover me or like, or I'm going to drive and then you're going to foul me and then I'm going to get you in foul trouble. Then you have to be dangerous from the outside. And right now we are not. Yeah. We don't have a true point guard. And that's kind of what you're talking about because like storm he's at best, he's a combo guard. 
Like he's really should be a shooting guard. Couture really should be a shooting guard. Like those guys are both supposed to be sharpshooters. They're not really drive and dish or like Beatty was defend and distribute, you know? But we do not have a guy who you think off the top of your head, oh yeah, that's a point guard. Like we don't have him. He's not on the roster. I thought maybe Couture could step into that role, but if anything, it's Padula. And Padula mm-hmm. needs to play more. Like I really I know he's a true freshman, but like he has provided a spark at multiple times. And I I don't know, like Storm might be better coming off the bench or playing alongside Padula. I, I don't I don't have the answers. I'm not Mike Young. I know he'll figure something out yeah. to get the chemistry looking better. Because you're right, if you go back to the Buzz Williams years or in the history of Virginia Tech basketball or any good basketball coach's team for that matter, you will have these waves in the season. And Buzz used to be good, and then he would hit kind of a bumpy spot around December, January, and then he would start rolling come February, March. And so maybe that's what's happening right now and that they're going to find their groove. Young's going to find the rotations that work better for this team. But we're limited. Like we have limited options coming off the bench. I thought this would be a breakout year for Gasan. He's been good. He's been okay. He has not broken out like I like I really thought he might. Mutt's good player. He's even, he's steady, but he's not improving incrementally. Like he's just he's at a point in a career where he's he's hitting that steady state. So we were hoping Aluma would take the step forward. We were hoping the injection of Storm would help us take a step forward when losing Radford, but all of those things are just coming up short. And when we go play St. Bonaventure on Friday, that's a that's another big game, and I'm just not optimistic at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you can walk it back to, like, the Xavier game where we lost by a point. Like, I get it, but that Dayton game was not as close as we made it be at the end. So, like, no. two, two out of the last three. Wake, we got blown off. Our doors got blown off. And then and then the Dayton game, we came back at the end of that to even make the score look halfway decent, and it really was not even that close. Yeah. that I'm starting to get the vibe that, like, we're only beating the bad teams, right? Like, we're, we're, we were comp- competitive, obviously. One, that The tip in away from beating Xavier. And we did beat Maryland, but Maryland's not very good. Like, we, we are – and it was not, like, we – crushed them like we barely beat them it was a four-point game (laughs) so like we might be one of those teams that can beat up on the inferior teams but we're gonna have a really hard time beating nc state and georgia tech and notre dame if we don't take it up a notch and so maybe against st bonaventure it's in charlotte it's the hall of fame shootout there's a handful of games throughout the day 4 p.m. on ESPN2 on Friday. So you can start happy hour early, grab a beer, watch us play the Bonnies. Because I think, you know, coming into the year, the St. Bonaventure was ranked. They were high up there and Ken Palm and everything. They're actually behind us in the Ken Palm rankings right now. So on paper, it's a winnable game. But I need to see us play someone good and play well the whole time before I start to feel confident going into some of these games. Yeah. And we can transition off of this, but you know who we have after that? At Duke, that? at UNC. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, the one ranked team in the ACC in Duke, and then UNC, who's been playing better. They're seven and but two. But both so. of them are on the road. I mean, I guess that was my point, is that yeah. both of them yeah. are, that's at, I mean, 
you know, say whatever you want. You could but... lose all three of those games. Yes. None of, none of them are in the castle, and they're all against quality opponents. We could be seven and seven. If we manage to win one, okay. If you get two, I'll start to feel much better about where this season is headed. If you could beat Bonnie's and, and UNC, that would be great. We always play Duke well, typically, the last five, six years. Like, we play Duke tough. So, mm-hmm. not ruling that out either. But I want to see what happens against St. Bonaventure in Charlotte and go from there. Holiday packs. I put on our Twitter page, we do have an additional piece of merch in pins and giving out koozies as well as part of the donations that can be made, uh, but only in the holiday pack. So you get a sticker, you get a koozie, and you get a pin. $10, same situation in terms of how you pay. It's all on our on our website and on our Twitter page. Just you're Venmoing me. Uh, $10 donation, I'll send you a holiday pack. It should arrive in a couple days before Christmas. Um, so support the podcast if you want. Definitely appreciate the people who have already ordered them. And the sticker orders went over. It was a a very good success, and we'll continue to sell them throughout the offseason. But again, holiday pack, sticker, koozie, and pin for $10. Robbie, I want to talk about the opt-outs for the bowl game. We have a number of them. Some are for the draft. Some are because of transfer. But when it comes down to it, we're losing six starters before the bowl game. And it includes... Jermaine Waller, Amari Barno, Jordan Williams, Trey Turner, Mitchell, but he was already injured, so I'm not including him as one of the starters. Lasita Smith and then Tavion Robinson hit the transfer portal and will end up at Kentucky. So that is where I'm getting the six starters plus Mitchell from. And then we also had Knox Kadem and Daryl Bailey hopping into the transfer portal. Any of yeah. those strike you as, as big-time <laughs> losses? I mean, that's our wide receiving core. That is Barno, your boy. And that is um, not great. Um, is, no. is the best I can come up with. Knox Kadem, I'm not really that worried about in the in the sense that it was obvious that like we're going to have a big shakeup at, uh, at the QB position. And, um, and if Knox Kadem was ever our starter at any point, that we're in trouble. Well, he was, <laughs> but it was on the six-yard line of our own end zone. So, like, you know, I mean, or at least that's when he was playing. But right, um, right. It, it was, um, no, that is a lot of depth um, for us to, to lose. And, you know, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, the, the wide receiving course stinks because Trey and Tavion both have eligibility left. Tavion is going to another school. Yeah. So uh, it's a hard sell, coaching change, new OC. We don't have a good quarterback, and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. And if you're Tavion, like, I totally get it. Like, he's trying to go to the NFL, and he has that ability yeah. if he was getting the targets and getting the catches. So understandable. Waller, probably at first day uh, – sorry, I guess it's first three-round pick. I was going to yeah. say first day, but that's only first round. So. Yeah. He's probably Maybe second a day, day two like, pick. Yeah, day he'll two. be drafted. Yeah, absolutely. And then Barno, like he was gonna be drafted before his production completely fell off. But I think he's enough of a physical freak that he could kill the combine and get drafted by somebody. I think Lasidus will will go. Jordan Williams, I I, I really don't know. Turner could go late. Yeah. Um. So those are your guys that are leaving for the NFL and. And there's merit there. Hoffman is going to the NFL 
but he's going to play in the bowl game. And I, re- I really respect him for doing that because with the way all of his teammates are bouncing out, like he easily could have done the same thing, but um, he's saving Braxton's life by showing up in yeah. New York City. I, I think that's more of a um, you know respect for who he's trying to protect behind him. Yeah, yeah. But it's they're, they're obviously big losses in terms of just our chances of winning the bowl game. But some Hokies we really love and played hard for the team, and it stinks. Waller had an up-and-down year, and I, I, I know I said he'll be drafted, but, like, the last couple games weren't good. And I'm assuming he was hopping around on one leg at one point. Like, he, he wasn't yeah. healthy. And so I get it. Turner wasn't healthy at the end of the year. Lasitas was banged up. They want to opt out. Yeah. Understand. But as of right now, I'm only seeing like one team in FBS that has three or more starters opting out of the bowl game, and that's us. That will probably change. We'll probably see more opt-outs. But I wish that wasn't the mentality right now for the team, but it's kind of just the way college football is going. It's a shame that we're the only one I've seen that's doing it to this degree so far. But coaching change and everything else, what can you do? Yeah, I do think some of it's with injuries. Like these guys got to get healthy, and they have to, you know, get ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's tough because you know, yeah. it, it, and let's let's be honest, we're not we're not going to the playoff, right? So no. I think that that's part of it. So I I do think that at least three of those guys have injuries that they're trying to heal up on before they are are going to the draft because they would be making the same decision whether they played in the bowl game or not. So uh, I think that's part of it. Trey and Waller make absolute 100% sense to me. Trey could had some very weird thing happen to him at the end of the season. He didn't even play in the last game. Waller, we know he was banged up at the end. We don't know what went on with Barno all year. But yeah. you know we were suspicious about an injury just because of how badly his production fell. So that would potentially make sense too. But anyway, I'm glad Brock's playing. We saw Chamari Connor practicing, so that's good. And he could leave after the bowl game. That hasn't been announced. I'm not sure what Connor's thinking, but I think he'd be a draft pick if he left. Silas Janzi, that was another person that might not come back next year, but it sounds like I haven't heard that he's not playing in the bowl game, so I assume he'll yeah. be there. Blackshear, will he be back next year? Yeah. I think he's playing in the bowl, but next year I, I'm hoping he'll be back because we could really use him. I think it would be beneficial for him to come back in, in that particular instance. Uh, that I think he he was good this year, but uh, it's hard to tell what NFL scouts see in people, but I think he could use another year of like really good production um, to really improve his draft stock, and I think he would next year, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he just had his best game of his yeah. career on the ground against UVA. Yeah. It would be nice if he could build off that and get a resume going for the NFL. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, a lot of these are just, you know, we've seen it going all the way back. It's A lot of it's just personal decisions, and mm-hmm. sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, he's one that I think could I, – I, I wouldn't foresee him having a crazy year, but I think if he shows the – like a good amount of the production that he just showed in that UVA game, I think it would go a long way for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's take a quick beer break before we – get to the staff and the recruiting day and the bowl and everything we still got we still got a handful of things to get to here but first let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer 
the two best beer stores in the DMV. Make sure you stop by this holiday season. Get your gifts there. Everyone loves a, a wine gift. Everyone loves a beer gift. I'm probably stopping in to get my brother-in-law something there this next week. I, I think I might come down actually for the afternoon, Robbie, at some point next week. So I'll keep oh, you posted nice. if we could do do a lunch there or something. But uh, I'm going to pick up some beer from Dominion. And, uh, you know, it's just the easiest thing to do because everyone loves alcohol. Like, wouldn't like isn't, <laughs> if you're giving gifts, like that's just an easy win. It makes everybody happy. It, it's hard to buy a bad gift unless you're like getting like a like some sort of mango vodka for somebody that like drinks like <laughs> right. stouts. Like it's it's a tough it's a tough sell not to get the right gift for that. Yeah, and the beauty of it is you can walk into downtown Crown or Dominion and say, "Hey, my brother-in-law likes stouts. Hey, my brother-in-law likes IPAs. He's into the hazy stuff. What should I get him?" And they will point you in the right direction and take care of you. So make sure to hit them up. Uh, maybe we'll have Arash back as a sponsor next year. Maybe we'll have him himself on the podcast this spring to talk a little shop, talk about beer a little bit, what's going on at the stores. But uh, it's been another good season with those guys as sponsors. They've been very kind to us. So uh, thank you to Arash, Downtown Crown, and Dominion for all your support. So, Pete, what are you having over there? I am drinking the Christmas Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. I tweeted out from the Too Deep account uh a picture of the a bunch of Christmas beers that I bought. I did the make your own six pack. Plus I bought a couple fours and sixes of just holiday stuff. I'm, you know me, like I'm a sucker for the seasonal thing, whether it's pumpkin, whether it's Christmas, like I want to try as many as possible. So the make your own at my local store is the best. So this Breckenridge Christmas sale is very good. It describes itself as a multi fold, full body winter warmer. Easy for me to say. (laughs) <laughs> and it is that like it's got definitely a little bit more malt flavor than some of the ales that come out this time of year um but it does warm you up it's very dark in the glass and breckenridge i i love their artwork i love their bottles they do a really good job with that stuff their beer i think is hit or miss like some stuff i really like some stuff i'm a little bit lukewarm on yeah this one out of five it's probably like a 3.5 like mm-hmm. it's it's solid, but it's not it's not my favorite ever. I would like a little bit more of like some type of spice or some type of flavor or something in there, but it's a good solid drink and I'm not going to poo-poo it too much. I also had earlier, I split this one with my wife, the Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Oh yeah. It's got like the Christmas balls on the, on the uh on the uh, label, 7.5% alcohol. Yeah, don't don't even and get that me, one, don't get me started because uh all that's all my family talks about. That's coming out of Ohio. So like that's the like Great Lakes. Thing. Yes, that, that is that is a Columbus like favorite thing. They, 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 okay. That is like a shrine beer for them that they talk about every single year. So well, uh, this yeah. one was good. I really liked yeah. the uh, the Christmas ale. It's spices and honey, and you could actually yes. like taste a little bit of that honey in there. A little bit lighter than the Breckenridge. Um, so yeah, I would recommend that Great Lakes Christmas ale. That one's enjoyable, and you can take down a couple, but be careful because it is seven point five. Yeah, <laughs> and and that changes every single year. They mix up the ingredients. It's it is like a. Uh, it is a whole reveal that happens up in. Uh, oh, in is Ohio. it really? See, I, oh, did, I yeah. had no idea. I'm glad that I'm glad yeah. you could enlighten us a little bit. Yes. It is. It is Cleveland, Ohio, so that makes sense. There you go. All right, Robbie. We recorded before the press conference with Joe, so we talked about the hire of 
Brent Pry went over it in detail on our last podcast, but we hadn't heard the press conference yet. Hadn't really heard him say anything at all besides a few clips that we saw in videos. And I think for the most part, the fan base felt that he knocked that presser and just that day in general out of the park. Yeah, I thought it went really, really well. I thought he he ingratiated himself into the fan base, I guess is the best way to put it. And whether that was he got a script from the administration or he just kind of heard all the faults that had happened prior with Fuente, but he he really said the right things that ingratiated people into um, his life and vice versa. So you you kind of attached yourself to him, and we'll see how that ends up uh, producing onto the field. But I thought he did a great job in the press conference. Yeah, I, right away in the presser, he talked about the fans, and he said, you matter to me. And I felt like that was just almost a direct shot at the previous regime. Like... Just I Whit might have told him, like, you need to make sure that the fans know that you value them and that you're going to give them access and all this kind of stuff. So say something about that. I, I don't know if it was that scripted or that's just the way he feels. But it was great to hear. And he talked about recruiting the state, another thing that we've yeah. been harping on and wanting. Um, and he got out on some recruiting visits right away. Like him and the few coaches that he's managed <laughs> to bring in already, they hit the trail. And – his first week, the the amount of alumni groups that he had to meet, the amount of teams that he saw, he went to the basketball games, spoke to the crowd. I mean, they put him through the ringer. He yep. probably was on you know, no sleep at all and yeah. tons of coffee. Dude but... was doing like he had to be taking IVs at night because uh, <laughs> for how many pictures he put out more pictures and like photos like out about than Fuente did in his entire six years. It was crazy. And that. Exactly. And that has carried over into signing day, which we'll talk about. But the amount of media that we're getting of Coach Pry and just pictures and videos and access is already greatly increased, in my personal opinion. Twitter engagement, anything. It's been so much better just in a couple of weeks. Let's hope it continues. You know, someone was pulling up Fuente's press conference and saying, like, he said a lot of things that we liked then that didn't follow through. Yeah. But. Pry having worked at Tech, having like joking around with JC. He knows JC. Like he coached JC when he was a player. He talked about drinking with him on Bourbon Street. Like he couldn't have endeared himself to the Virginia Tech fan base any better than talking about drinking on Bourbon Street. I mean, let's be honest. You and I were both at the uh, Sugar Bowl way back when. And uh, so yeah. uh, we, we, we. We have fond memories or not memories of uh, being on Bourbon Street uh, and Virginia Tech. So it is, uh, yeah, it, it it's it was he tried to make a connection pretty quickly, which I appreciate. Like, and, and it was not a forced connection, at least no. in my read of it. So I thought that was nice. So moving on, he's been trying to fill out the staff, right? So we kept JC on and we knew that. But we have our DC and we have our OC, both of which are pretty young. Yeah. Uh, as the defensive coordinator, Justin Hamilton is out. We're bringing in Chris Marv. He is a 32-year-old. He was formerly at FSU as the linebackers coach. Yeah. He was at Vandy and Mississippi State before that. And at those stops, at least at Mississippi State and FSU, he was the defensive run game coordinator. He was never his own DC, but he had a big hand in preparing the defense for Saturdays. 
on paper, like if you didn't know who your head coach was and you just like, you know, you, you lopped off prize name from it, I'd be more concerned, but, um, well, let's fill out the coaching staff because sure. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think you and I had this conversation of like, it is a, it's a mixed bag of, of things. And I, I have some thoughts on maybe the angle that he's going with, but I'm not sure. And I kind of want to like, kind of talk about that. Sure. Yeah, so at OC, which everyone was waiting to hear who it's going to be, it seems like it's going to be Tyler Bowen from the Jaguars. He yeah. is the tight ends coach of the Jags right now, but he was previously at Penn State, and that's the connection. He yeah. was the co-OC for the Nittany Lions in 2020, and he had a good reputation for bringing in talent from the DMV to Penn State. Before that, he was the OC at Fordham, and when he was with them, they had a pretty prolific offense. You can see he was kind of like not riding Moorhead's coattails, but there's a connection there, the Fordham to Penn State connection and, and Joe Moorhead. Yeah. But he's also young. So you got two 32-year-olds as your two coordinators. As for the other assistants, the big one, I think, was Derek Jones. And I'm not sure exactly what position he'll be coaching for us. I think it's going to be corners. But this guy coached with Cutcliffe at Duke. He was most recently at Texas Tech uh, coaching the DBs. And he is a recruiter. Like he's listed as the he was listed as the associate head coach at both Duke and Texas Tech. He published a book <laughs> called Always Play to Win back in 2017. He's a very like inspirational tweeter kind of person. And he was recruiting talent to Duke. So if if he could do that there, I'm confident that he could do pretty well at tech. And he's come out and he's had people come out saying, like, you know. He he was my recruiter, and I love that guy. Like you know, it's um, and I'll carry that the thread through. We have um, Sean Quinn coming in uh, as well um, from Savannah State, and um, and then we'll just you mind rounding it out. Stu Stu Holt yeah, sure. at special teams um, is Stu Holt. <laughs> Stu Holt, an Arrested Development person. Yes, I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, little, yeah. The name is uh, I love Arrested Development, so I, I love that <laughs> I love that meme. meme. But um, I, I I was trying to pull the thread together between all of these, um, and I think it's more it's easier to look at them if you like young, focused on recruiting, like energetic, like I I I don't know. This is totally different than what we've seen at Virginia Tech anytime recently. Like these these guys are um yeah, you talk about like writing a book and being motivational and like going out there, being able to recruit the DMV, like coming from like I I think that's where I pull the thread and I was thinking about it from like your profession or my profession. Like if you got on the phone with people and just said like who's the name that I should be going after for this position? And like somebody said, I trust this guy. Like, like I know this guy. It seems to be the thread here is definitely on the recruiting side. Absolutely. Energy going out like grinders that can, that can do it. Um, in, in fact, the only person of all those names is probably the one that's got the biggest kind of title prior which is um which is bowen that coming out of the jags because he's coming from the nfl but everybody else it seems like it is um it's really on that young energetic 
guys that are going to go out there and, and grind it out is, is how I'm kind of piecing this together in my mind because they are coming from all over the place. I mean, yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's official yet, but I think Ryan Smith is staying on as well yes. to coach the safety. So I'm, it, again, he tweeted something out maybe a week ago about the Hokies and stuff. It seemed like he was sticking around, but it's probably still being worked out, but he was a good recruiter as well. So I do think there's a recruiting lean with these hires. The coordinators are too young to be hired for their development or their schemes. So what does that tell you? They're being hired for reputation and for recruiting. Like that, that is why Bowen and Marv were hired. Quinn could be a culture uh, developmental kind of coach, but he spent a lot of time in Georgia and the Carolinas, and he probably has nice ties. Way back, he coached for LSU in 2008. Um, but with Jones and the two young coordinators and prize ability to recruit a little bit, like it is, it is a recruiting staff. And like you were saying initially with the defensive coordinator, I would be more nervous about the scheme if it weren't for prize expertise as a defensive coordinator at head coach and the fact that he said he may call plays for a year before he gives it up. We don't know. It's all going to depend on the trust factor between him and Chris Marv. So with Bowen, yeah, we maybe we all would have wanted a more established OC, but he has been an OC twice in his career, uh, once at Penn State as a co-OC. So there's a little bit of experience there, and he brought in four stars, man. So I'm not one for just leaning all the way into recruiting. I think we're getting a little bit of both, but I think there's a little bit of just have faith that these guys can coach because we don't know that yeah. yet. They're they're a little too young to really know that. Yeah, I mean, I think you could almost look at it and say, like, which is the way that college football has leaned, honestly, is talent is now kind of overtaken everything else. I mean, that yeah. that is what's happening. So it, it looks like we're leaning towards talent. And honestly, that that has been... How many times have you and I harped in the last seven years on the like the recruiting and what we're doing on that front? And maybe we're leaning on that side of it, but guess what? You can you can swap out a coach. You can't swap out three years of recruiting. Like that doesn't work. Like you know what I mean. Yep. So if That's we're good point. if we're leaning too hard on that front, I'm all for it. Like let's let's give that a try. I mean, at this point. And you know what the other nice thing is, is that none of these guys, it seems, as far as the coordinators go, are prize buddies. Yeah. Like good buddy like Cornelson that he can't fire. Like, I don't think Pry would hesitate if the offense is struggling real bad to to fire the offensive coordinator. Like, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But my read on it is that this is not his longtime buddy that he's going to be unwilling to fire. It, and that's a good thing. It takes a and, lot of wiki wiki searches to connect all these people together. <laughs> I mean, these are does. these are not like yeah. They it, all, as far as boys go, like it seemed like Jones and Pry are boys mm-hmm. from back in the day, but just because of that jet ski picture. But like, I guess it was the Memphis days. Like you're right. I couldn't really piece. Obviously the OC came from Penn state, but yes. that kid wasn't there that long. Yeah. So it's, 
it's recommendations, it's friends of friends, it's coaching circles, but it's not, hey, this is my good bud who I'm never going to fire till the last day I'm at Virginia Tech, like Cornelson was. And the other thing about Bowen is he's got more credentials to be an OC than Cornelson did. Yeah. Cornelson was a co-OC at Memphis with Daryl Dickey. But before that, he was coaching like D2, some team to five yards per play. Yeah. Like, the Bowen had the number four offense in FCS in 2016. So, like, at, at the very least, at 32, he's got more credentials than Cornelson ever had. Yep, I would agree. <laughs> anyway, um, French put out an article on Prize Scheme this past week. I'm not going to go into it. You need to go join the Key Players Club and read it, but it was good, and he's going to put out a few more. And that's the kind of stuff we love to get from French is just to know what we're looking at defensively, um, it was really cool, and so I would I would advise anyone to get on the key play and, and read French's stuff. Let's just say that the yeah the linebacking core you're gonna have to use different names a little bit now, so that's gonna be the fun part of it. We're we're getting back to uh, a little bit more traditional. Yeah, whether you like that or don't like that, yeah, so that 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 was kind of fun to like. It was like, hey, here's the definitions of what you've been used to for the last, you know. 20 years of uh, hokey football and here's where everybody's yeah. going to fit in. All right. For the commits signing day, early signing period started today. This is Wednesday. Uh, it's hopefully, I think all the moving and shaking is mostly done for the next month and a half. There will be a little bit of movement before February, but we started the day at number 26 in the composite and we finished at number 30 and I don't know about you, but like with everything that went down and the coaching change and us simply not being very good for a full four-year cycle, to finish with the 30-ranked recruiting class in the composite, I came away impressed. And we'll break down a little bit more, but your just your initial gut reaction, if I told you 2022 recruiting, finish 30 in the composite, how do you feel about it? With a coaching change, I would be all yeah. for it. Absolutely. I okay. mean, it was... What was our our last one? When we 44. just finished, yeah, forty fourth, and then before that, it was it, it's just it it was been abysmal. So yeah, thirtieth, yeah. I would take that every day, and you know, twice on uh twice on the weekend. And it wasn't without drama either. We had a couple of high profile guys decide to sign elsewhere at the very last minute, including Ramon Brown, the four star running back, yeah. and Alex Orgy, the high three star quarterback from Texas. Um, rest in peace, Texas two VT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, flipping over to Michigan. So uh, you know, yeah. I think that one was relatively expected, though. I don't think that was as much of a surprise. I do think people that, seem to know going yeah, into. I think the, the Raymond day, yeah. Brown one, especially where he flipped to, did not make much sense to people in their in their in their head. Yeah, you know how much we both dislike Maryland, and he flipped to Maryland and it's it's annoying. I mean, that's just annoying. If he goes to Clemson or something like that, like I'd be a little less annoyed, but he goes to Maryland and that's fine. He can finish fourth in the division every single year if he wants to. Yep. On the good news, we got a commitment from Benji Gosnell, mm -hmm. a tight end. He had offers from Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, Penn State, list goes on and on. Four-star tight end committed to us, I want to say right after prize press conference, like yeah. pretty soon thereafter. And that was... A really nice surprise. Uh, we got a couple flips from UVA today, which helped 
ease the pain of losing some of our better recruits. Brody Meadows, yep. an 88 ranked uh, offensive lineman and an edge rusher and Keyshawn Burgos. He's an 86 on two, four, seven, two really nice pickups from the UVA class, which subsequently sent them spiraling down into the seventies. Which is, uh, well, which all we is were really always nice. For, right? <laughs> yeah. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Bronco has resigned since our last podcast. Yes. I mean, <laughs> things have been going crazy, but Tony Elliott is in at UVA and he has walked into a very tough situation with this recruiting class. Um, but for the Hokies, it was good. We also signed Hunter McLean today, an offensive lineman from the same school as Gunnar Givens. So Gunnar maintained his commitment. That was, you know, the top recruit in the class. That was a huge and commitment. Absolutely huge. And he brings along his buddy now and Hunter McLean. So a good day from that perspective. We had a couple decommits like LaHue, Martin, and Jones this past week. Uh, for the most part, lower tier guys i did like martin but Mm -hmm. lower tier guys as far as the recruiting ranks go but overall adding the flips adding mclean getting gus nell on the fold right after pry was hired i think we came out as absolute best as can be expected and we'll break down some of the different things about it but i thought it was definitely a positive day for the Hokies. yeah i think it could it could have gotten a lot worse I mean, within whenever there's a coaching change and whether, you know, I'm I'm super excited about Pry. I think you are as well. But we didn't bring somebody in that was gonna like, you know, all of a sudden do what happened, you know, at USC and like all you know bring in everybody from that was you know going to Oklahoma and now it's like it, that 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 was not those cards were not on the table for us. Yeah. So for us, and it was Pry really, was never gonna steal Penn State's guys either because of how much yeah. he respects Franklin. Like and he probably could have convinced a recruiter to to like decommit from Penn State and come to Tech, but you know that was never what he was gonna do. No, and, and he's he was. He was loyal almost to a fault to James Franklin. I mean, that would be the last thing that he would do. In fact, if he was having conversations with them, he was probably like, hey, you know, you committed to a school. I mean, I could could see somebody like that. That's what I would do is be like, hey, you committed to them. Like, you know, why don't you stick it out there? It's a great program. Like, don't don't just flip just for the sake of it. So, which is the opposite of what's kind of happening and whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing is kind of irrelevant, but I think that's what we, what we got in a coach. Yeah. So three, four stars in the class are more than our last two classes combined. So that's already starting off on a good (laughs) foot. Uh, Of note, we got back into Highland Springs with Purnell. That was a big commitment. Uh, Chris, uh, Coleman has gone on record saying like he thinks he's the best player in the state of Virginia and that he'll prove to be a lot better than his recruiting ranking. So that's a really nice pickup from Highland Springs and Lauren Johnson, the head coach there. Uh, and we built up the lines in general, yes. which was really great. A lot like, of big, a lot of big boys. Yeah, man. I counted 12 linemen in the class. Uh, Price said 10, whether might, he might've been talking about signees because there's a couple guys that remain, unsigned just three three but 19 guys did sign yes but so many of them were offensive or defensive linemen and i did think it was interesting that givens is coming in as a defensive lineman and not an offensive lineman like his recruiting profile said yeah that that one was a little bit um yeah 
I don't know. I, I have my in, my interests are peaked there. Let's just put it that way because yeah. I think I think he could be really dangerous on that side, especially underneath Pry. And so it, that that's exciting and and kind of fun. Um, but we'll see how it that's actually out. something I didn't think of, but makes sense. Like under Pry, yes, him being on the defense makes more sense because under Fuente and Vice, like he absolutely would be a f- offensive lineman in my opinion. Yeah. But, no, her- um, Moore, Braylon Moore was also on the defensive side, even though his brother plays offensive line for us. That's kind of where I was expecting him to go, but they think Moore's going to play defensive tackle and that Givens is going to be a D end, at least initially. Yeah. And, and that is, um, I, I, I don't know. The, those are two positions that we have a lot of ground to make up in. And so I'm, I'm excited to just get really good talent in, in, in that area. So that it was, it's interesting. We'll see how it ends up playing out. All these positions are going to end up shifting probably as guys put on weight and you figure it out, but it, it's fun to see where people are kind of getting slotted, at least from the onset. Yeah. Just one wide receiver. Yeah. And that was Holloway. Mike McDaniel tweeted something out like he was getting a lot of heat from SEC schools in the past week trying to push mm-hmm. him to sign somewhere else. And I I liked his tape. I looked at it a little bit ago now. Um, but he's got good size. He's over 6'2". Uh, I would want some more skill players. This, this, this class is lacking skill players. But if you're talking about a first recruiting class for a coach, I'll always take linemen first and and get the skill guys later. So I, the one wide receiver, a few tight ends, and we'll go from there. I, th- I, I think um, what we're starting to see, and if you really look at it and look at like look at uh, Robinson transferring right now, I think the skill players on the outside are more available in the transfer portal at this point than they than people on the inside. Like if you really think about like who's transferring, so. I think of that as a really smart move. Like I, the I think you can find skill talent if you're going to do the work and look at the transfer portal and bring people in on the outside, um, and those guys moving on, especially since they're not as banged up, they don't have as many injuries. You know what I mean? Like this, so they have. A I think bit it's more plug and play with yes. skill positions, right? Mm-hmm. Like because of the chemistry required. And the particularities of defensive and offensive line coaching, wide receivers and running backs, and even quarterbacks are much more plug and play than linemen. Yeah. I, I think, and that, if that's what you're getting at, yeah. And then um, there was a lack of linebackers as well in terms of yeah. where we came up short, perhaps. Uh, Pulliam was the only linebacker listed, and then we had Burgos at listed as an edge, and he could very well end up a linebacker. He's six five, like. I want to say it was like 220, 230. Mm-hmm. And that's very Tremaine Edmonds-esque. Like maybe, <laughs> he, like, I'm not saying he's going to be Tremaine, but size-wise, like that's yeah. kind of, him and Barno kind of came in at that size. Barno ended up moving to N. Tremaine stayed at linebacker. Maybe maybe Burgos ends up as a rushing linebacker, but we'll see there. The two cool things, 12 kids from Virginia in mm-hmm. the class. Yep. I think 11 of those 12 have signed. That's the most since 2016 when Beamer was still Beamer staff was still doing the recruiting. So we're back in Virginia in a big way with this class. And then 12 of the kids are also early enrollees. 
which is huge considering the state of our roster right now. Yeah, the state of the roster and a coaching change. It's it's twofold. So um, getting in and getting you know acclimated, it, it helps kind of build the culture right from the beginning and starts to set if you know the tenure of what Pry is going to do at Virginia Tech. So I think that is huge. The early enrollees, I think, cannot be understated. I almost forgot uh, Bryce Duke and Devin Farrell. I wanted to mention Bryce Duke because we lost Ramon Brown, but it, it, don't overlook Bryce Duke. Like This is a really good running back. He was all-met offensive player of the year, which is something that JC mentioned today, and like that's a really big deal. And then Devin Farrell, he's the QB in the class uh, now that we didn't get Orgy. I don't know if Farrell will finish his tech career as a QB, but we at least have one in the class to go along with uh, Taj and the other guys on the roster right now and whoever we bring in in the portal. Mm-hmm. So I know we'd lack a little skill talent, but Duke I think was a really nice pickup and we'll see where Farrell ends up. Um, as for the portal, I think it was Pry mentioned we will have someone dedicated to basically recruiting the portal and that will be like their only job. So in today's day and age, I think that's a must and I'm glad to hear that he mentioned it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's more than a must. It's it's absolute. I mean, it is. It's becoming. If you look at even you know national championship caliber programs right now, the vast majority of them have transfers coming in that are going to be contributing. Whether it's at quarterback, whether it's at wide receiver, whether yeah, I think on the interior, it's it's not as pronounced, but on the outside, it's definitely extremely important. So uh, that is huge. And the game is shifting that way. For sure. All right, man. I think that's about it for signing day. Like I said, we finished 30 in the composite 35 in the in-house rankings. We'll see if pry and the guys add any other fellas to the, the class before February. I don't know. You would think that just based on the preferences of the new coaches, maybe they go out and they add a couple. Yeah. I, I'm. It, it depends on who's left out there and whatever, but a couple more guys to sign, maybe a few more guys out there that we'll recruit and get commitments from. But overall, I, with the 19 guys that signed today alone, I am excited. Virginia, early enrollee, alignment, like all of it. I'm excited. UVA flips, icing on the cake, man. Yeah, that's just that's just the benefit to everybody. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we. Um, but I, I think, and now you, they should be. And I, looking at the transfer portal, looking at what who else is out there, and trying to figure out what else they could bring in. So I, my guess is there's going to be two kind of other big names at least that come in through the transfer portal like here in you know the next month or so so i think i think there has to be so uh, keep your ears and eyes out for that i don't have any inside information on that but i i think that we're going to see that happen we did offer that fcs standout qb and cameron ward today yes. i saw that come across on twitter ward had a 151 QB rating at Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word. They, they were, they were a very good FCS team this year. I think they made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, He's getting anyway, a lot of that, hype right now. Yeah, he he really is. Uh, so that's something to watch for. That would be a very big pull if we could get him in. Mm-hmm. 
I want to talk about the bowl game, Robbie. I don't want to spend too much time because people are discounting the bowl games. Our players are opting out left and right. Like, do these things even matter anymore? Well, I'm going, so it matters a little bit to me. <laughs> I want to see us win. The result ultimately doesn't matter matter but if we win we have a winning season and if we lose we don't have a winning season well plus you're growing up against to his brother to his brother that's right uh, come on now we're playing to his brother we're playing a school i hate in maryland (laughs) like all the motivation is there we we want to get this win that's right Um, i mean there's a um it's fun the pinstripe we haven't played have we ever played in the pinstripe bowl this is the first time ever right um it's in yankees uh stadium uh going up there there's obviously a big tie-in between as weird as to say between virginia tech and the yankees and that all goes back to the um the shooting that happened at virginia tech and you know what the uh the yankees did and wearing the hats with like you know virginia tech uh on them so um awesome what they uh what they did for us so there there is a little bit of history uh, between us and uh our brethren up in uh up in the bronx yeah man and i'm it's cool just to be you know invited to play in a game at yankee stadium i know it's not the original yankee stadium but it's still yankee stadium and it's gonna be weird like i've never been to a football game well, that's wrong because I went to the vet and that used to be, <laughs> you know, the Phillies and the Eagles. But this is seriously like a baseball stadium right. that's hosting a football. Yeah, game. the and vet, the vet the is a little thing. bit different. Uh, yeah, the vet was a multi-purpose <laughs> piece of crap. Um, but yes, this is a this is going to be a fun experience. You know that Fenway is having a bowl game as well, and it's like it is the weirdest matchup. It's UVA is going to Fenway. Oh my god. And they're playing SMU. That is bizarro bowl matchup. Yeah. Like I, that, I, I'm kind of excited about it, honestly. But I can't. Anyway, I can't even unpack. The pinstripe bowl. I can't even unpack. Uh, Was that Southern uh, Methodist uh, going into a Catholic uh, area, <laughs> and then a bunch <laughs> of UVA no people sense. going into Boston? Like, I mean, can you figure out two teams that don't make any like sense to like go play in a game? SMU fans in Boston is just like. The funniest possible thing I can think of. Yeah. That is that is so great. That's funny. But, anyway. but the Pinstripe Bowl is December 29th, two fifteen against Maryland. They finished the year six and six, three and six in the Big Ten, and sixty eighth in the SP plus. Virginia Tech was sixty two for reference. So just a little bit better on our predictive metrics. They did beat West Virginia, a team we lost to. But let me just list off. Maryland's other wins. Rutgers, final game of the year. Indiana, who is terrible. Kent State, Illinois, and Howard. Yeah. They they did not beat a single good team. And and I'm including West Virginia in that. West Virginia <laughs> was not that great of a team and they beat them as well, but their wins are absolutely terrible. We had according to the SP Plus, we had two better wins than them against unc and uva both better than all of the teams that maryland beat so that's that's something to put in our cap maryland they have to his brother and that's basically their claim to fame i guess you could say rakeem jarrett like he was a former five-star wide receiver and he's very good Mm -hmm. but i feel like this whole team is identity is talia tagovailoa yeah that that's what it's really built around and he he's 
he's good. I mean, he has a like on this year. I mean, his passing stats, his touchdowns. I think he has. I'm trying to remember back, and I'm doing some of this off the top of my head, like eleven interception. Like it's not like nothing crazy good, nothing crazy bad. So I I don't think he has blown the doors off of um, what people thought they would. But I also think that's because of the skill talent that's around him as well. So it's hard to decouple those two things from each other. But overall, this team has really beaten no one, period, except for maybe WVU. Um, And, you know, somebody could probably say the same about Virginia Tech. So it it is an interesting matchup. I do think that um, they probably have a little bit more to play for in this game because he's really trying to, he's coming back next year. I mean, he's trying to really build his resume and, and, and I don't know that we necessarily, especially with all the transfers, uh, not transfers, but really opt outs. Um, we're we're going to be a lot more shorthanded than they're going to be. I don't think it's even going to be close. Yeah. They lost some guys to the portal, but they were all, second third fourth stringer so it's no one that would really make an impact and Talia he was up and down same thing with Maryland as a whole was the thing with Talia like against the good teams he was bad and against the bad teams he was good Mm -hmm. and he was able to put up a lot of yards 3,500 yards almost 70 percent completion good amount of TDs he's not a runner so that Mm -hmm. was good his passer rating is nearly 150, so he's a solid passer. And when you have a weapon like Jarrett and some of the other wide receivers like Carrier and Cobbs and Jones, like there's a bunch of guys that have more than 200 yards receiving on this team. But when it really came down to it and they, they played a decent squad, like they couldn't get anything going. Like, Do you remember the Iowa game? Yeah. Like, they they just got absolutely obliterated. And I know that Iowa's got a very, very good defense, but, like, they they couldn't do anything. And Iowa has no offense whatsoever. I mean, that's a team that just scored three points in in their, you know, championship game. So, um, yeah. And what's going for us, like, what we have going for us is that the offensive line for Maryland is not good. So even if Talia has one of his better days and Rakeem Jarrett has a great day receiving the ball, we should be able to put some pressure on him. We should be able to shut down their run game. They're, they were only 91st in rush yards per carry this year. Uh, their offense, in terms of the SP+, plus, was very good. It was 34th, but they had a hard time scoring in the red zone. And when I say hard time, I mean like 119th in FBS. Yeah. They were absolutely terrible in the red zone. They were absolutely terrible turning the ball over. This is a mistake-prone team that has a couple good players on offense. Yeah. But – and that, and that's the better side of the ball. If you go to their defense, 92nd in yards per play, 86 at SP+, we'll be able to move the ball. Even without Trey, even without Tavion, we should be able to move the ball a little bit on them. I, I am scared about missing our wide receivers. I'm scared about missing Lasitas. Um, it's it's going to create a different dynamic. But I think Blackshear and a healthier Burmeister. I mean, he will have had a month to heal up a little bit. And when he's healthy, like he can play really well. I think we'll be able to put up some points. Yeah. But mostly on the rushing side of things, I think is what, that's what we're kind of honing in on is, um, 
Blackshear, I think, will be, a, if I had to guess, like, what our stat's going to be in this game, and it's happened in some of our latest games as well, I think that Burmeister's going to be healthy, so he'll be able to run the ball. So call it two-thirds rushing, one-third passing at best, maybe yeah. more than that for Virginia Tech. But I, I do think that two-thirds is going to be relatively meaningful for Virginia Tech to put up some yards. Absolutely. I mean, if you cut Burmeister loose and just say, like, hey, man, run whenever you can run. Like, he could he could hit 200 yards. I mean, yeah. the guy can – he's an amazing scrambler. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing design runner. So pull out all the stops. Use the trick plays we're using on Duke and do whatever it takes. Put up yards and put up points because this could be kind of a fun little game. I mean, I think that Maryland will score their points as well especially with Waller out, although you know that he was banged up and kind of hurting us at the end of the year. But we don't have Barno and we don't have Williams to put pressure on the QB. So we're going to need Chapman and Strong and the linebackers to play really well in this game. But based on the line, it's still only Maryland minus one. Despite all the opt-outs, Maryland's only favored by one point. We'll have a chance to win this game for sure. And if if Blackshear and Burmeister have good games, I think I think we will because I think our defense will be able to do just enough against Talia to give us a shot. I agree. All right, is that it for the bowl preview, Robbie? I think I think, so. I think that's all people want to hear. I don't know. I think so. It just depends on how many home runs uh, everybody hits in that stadium. So <laughs> that's right. I'll be in left field, <laughs> yeah, watching the game. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm actually waiting to buy my tickets because they've gone down like every day on mm-hmm. StubHub. Like every single day that goes by. Are you by, trying to time the market? It, every You can't time the market. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, the, well, it's the number it's one rule. Game. <laughs> That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. It's a bowl game, though, and those things mm-hmm. never sell out. No. And it's going to be New York mm-hmm. in late December. <laughs> So I think I think, I think I should be able to eventually get a yeah. ticket for fifty bucks, but we'll see. Yeah, I think you'll I think um, you'll be all right. I'm pretty sure that yeah. game's not selling out if I'm uh <laughs> No. No. I, I'm I'm pumped about it though. We're gonna probably drive uh to Hamilton and take like NJ transit into the city. Avoid yeah. avoid driving into move. New York. Yeah. Get get off at Penn Station, head right to the hotel. I'm I can't wait. And if you are going to New York you know, hit us up on Twitter. Hit me up at PBVT on Twitter. Let me know. I think handful of my other hokey buddies are going up, but like we could organize some kind of bar meetup before the game, the night before the game, whatever. Like, and you know, just hit me up. We'll work it out. All right, Robbie. I think that's gonna do it. I did notice there was some good, there were some good bowl games, like just out there in general. Not just the New Year Six, not just the playoff. But that UVA-SMU one kind of struck me. Oregon is playing Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, that's, that that's going to be, be a fun. good game. Clemson is playing Iowa State. That's, I think that, that's No, that's the, atrocious. No, that is not that's a good cheese game. That's Cheez-It. Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> well, only other than the fact that it's a Cheez-It Bowl. It's a, no, no. You don't think Clemson-Iowa State could be kind of good? Those are two well-coached teams. <laughs> 
they're well coached with like both those teams have given up. Iowa State was like trying to make the playoff this year and Clemson was also trying to make the playoff. They, yeah, the, they yeah. talk about two teams yeah. that are going to be like dragging ass on the way in the stadium like I have to be here and I only got a pair of like AirPods. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the failed expectations right there. <laughs> um Pitt and Michigan State is the exact opposite, though. No. That's the that's the elevated expectations bowl. Pitt and Michigan Correct. State, that's the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Wake and A&M, hmm. that's just a funny one. Yeah. They're playing in the tax that's layer. That's just bizarre, almost. Yeah. yeah. And and that, the Elko Bowl, because yeah. <laughs> Elko was oh. at both of those schools. Of course, now he's the head coach at Duke. I know. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, they need to do, okay they need State, to do a Chinese checkers game on there and just get all Julio. <laughs> That'd be even better. Oklahoma State's playing Notre Dame in the Fiesta. That's kind of cool. Like the Rose Bowl is Utah and Ohio State. I think I, that, I think that Oklahoma State Notre Dame game could be really interesting. Actually, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. That's why I wrote it down. I think that could be fun. I think that Utah has a chance against Ohio State too. Oh, that's yeah, a tough hundred oh, percent. Utah is playing awesome right now. So I, if I'm Ohio State. Especially since they didn't make the playoff, Utah is going to play their asses off in that game and try yeah. and beat the hell out of uh, that. That'll be a slog of a game. That's a lot of red in the red <laughs> bowl. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then Baylor versus Ole Miss is the last one I have listed. That's the yep. Sugar Bowl. Yeah, kind of a funny matchup. But Ole Miss, what a sensational season they had in just year two of Lane. I think it was the most regular season's wins they've ever had. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Some, it's something crazy. crazy like that. Yeah. Or in like 40 years or something wild. But, but yeah, Ole Miss and Baylor, that, that should be a fun one. Kind of a, kind of a weird matchup, but cool. Um, all right, man. Yeah. I hope you have a good Christmas because we are not going to speak. We're not going to do a podcast until after the new year. Oh no. Going to give us both a little time to, rest up for basketball season and the rest of the signing period and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it was a fun season and I, you know, every year me and Robbie debate whether we want to put ourselves through another 16 week slog of recording <laughs> recaps and previews, but we love tearing into the stats. We love recording, but it's work. And then you have our jobs and Robbie has his daughter and a family on top of it. Yeah. Just thanks for sticking with me this year, man. We we did it again. I'm 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 always happy to be here, but to to say that we're not tired by the end of the year um uh, is is an understatement, but I I love nothing more than talking Virginia Tech football Dude. and every time we get on here and record and hopefully people enjoy it and sometimes we just kind of screw around and other times we're really serious, but uh I I really do hope people Enjoy it, and I I absolutely hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season. Stay safe, be safe, you know, and enjoy uh, time with your family. I I I really do mean that. Absolutely, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, Kwanzaa. We we celebrate (laughs) whatever holiday that you are celebrating. Period. (laughs) That's right. All right, and until next time, when hopefully we're celebrating a big win over Maryland in the Pinstripe Bowl, go Hokies. Hokies.